Welcome to the Inside Startup Investing Podcast, powered by King's Crowd. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lestrino. From discussions with founders and VCs to industry experts and special guests, we want to provide you with the inside scoop on all things startup investing. Whether you're investing $50 a deal or $500,000 a deal, we have the stories you need to hear before clicking invest. From the metaverse to spaceflight and beyond, join us as we explore the world of startup investing for all. And now, onto this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Startup Investing Podcast. Today, we are joined by Jane West, founder and CEO of Jane West, an accessories business built to service the growing market of cannabis users. As many of you may know, cannabis continues to become more accessible as the rules and regulatory environment ease to enable the sale of cannabis in many different states. As this emerging market grows, Jane West is in a strong position to be able to capitalize on the demand for products that support the use of cannabis. Today, we are going to get the inside scoop on some recent developments in the marijuana industry and learn more about the progress Jane West has made since their last round of funding on Republic. So let's hop in. Jane, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me again. Absolutely. So, you know, best place to start off here, Jane, would love to get a little bit of background about yourself for those yeah. who don't know you. Well, one of the most interesting parts of my origin story is that I, you know, wasn't in startups or an entrepreneur or a CEO when I was 38 years old and started hosting cannabis events here in Colorado. Um, I have a master's degree in social work. I worked for, at the UN in New York for years and uh, really just was a big fan of cannabis and a user of um, which everyone knew about me. Like I do believe in cannabis and in the power of the plant. Um, so in 2013, when Colorado legalized, I wanted to start hosting cannabis events. And in just 60 short days, I suddenly was in the spotlight nationally in cannabis. I held uh, one event. It was on the five o'clock evening news with Brian Williams. And I was fired from my job in corporate America the next day, which made it to the cover of the Denver Post. So I went all in with hosting events. I partnered with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra. We held an event at Red Rocks called On a High Note. Uh, and the mayor of Denver was not having it. And so he sent a SWAT team to one of my events, which also got me international news coverage. Um, here, we're, I'm, I'm happy to say that here we sit eight years later, this month, the first cannabis consumption lounge is open in Colorado. So it only took eight years, um, but finally people are able to start, you know, that licensed business type here in the state. So, um, so that's how I got my start. I spent a couple of years, um, I was founded Women Grow, a professional networking group in cannabis to really welcome women to the cannabis industry. And I worked on that until 2017. Um, I made an employee owned and operated company. It's 80% black female owned today. And in 2017, I started off on my own building my own cannabis brand. And that's the brand that has done equity crowdfunding and what I'm most well known for. Um, we are now a global cannabis brand. We have branded products in over 300 dispensaries across North America. Uh, we also have a big selection of widely available products online, uh, accessories, home goods, CBD products. So um, I'm a huge fan of equity crowdfunding and I'm, it's done a lot to build my business. So I'm excited to talk to you again. That's really, really cool. Um, Let's get into some of the products that you you've built. What what do they look like? What you know? What needs are they meeting uh, for cannabis users? Well, uh, for our flower line that's available in fourteen states and across Canada, what we do is partner with 
premier growers. And then they license use the brand. We hand select uh, strains from their existing grow. We categorize it as day and night because it just really helps new consumers, returning consumers, you know, guide themselves into uh, incorporating cannabis in their lives. And, um, and it fits the strains of the plant. So that's worked really well. It's been amazing to go into all these different states and see how the different patchwork regulatory landscape has grown different businesses in different ways. I've learned so much. Um, but additionally, you know, we have a lot of products widely available for everyday users that are part of the ritual of cannabis. We have uh, 510 threaded batteries for vape users that have a really easy to use dial. We have a rolling tray set, a glassware set. Um, things that you need around your home that you want to have out when you have guests over. I mean, social consumption now is becoming so normalized and we make the products for those customers. Yeah, I, I did notice that a lot of your products, you know, I don't know the right term for it, but it feels a little bit like like high design. Um, this is no longer kind of your, you know, a hippie cannabis tools, but, but actually things that look very attractive um, and would fit into, you know, a modern home. Um, so is that all intentional? Is that just your favorite style? How do you think about that? Well, you know, without going too much into uh, glassware and cannabis culture, the reason and shape for bongs and glassware and things in cannabis, a lot of times has to do with the illegality of it. And so um, a lot of glassware kind of looks like beakers and other things that they're, you know, putting together to make bongs. So when you actually take a look at glassware in our homes and the items that we have, and also consumption methods, we're really well known for having single serving doses of cannabis that you enjoy throughout the day. Um, and so a lot of our pieces, they look maybe petite, but really they're the perfect size for what you need um, for single use. And so having nice petite glassware, something that looks great in your home, something you don't hide underneath your bed, um, is really part of this new era of cannabis consumption. My newest glassware line is going to be called the 20s Collection uh, to celebrate the 20s that we're in right now, because I do believe Having been in the sector for eight years and having the end of this decade still be eight years away, I believe that by the end, it will the, the national attitude towards cannabis will be so very, very different. And um, it's really exciting to see. So I know that you raised $740,000 across multiple funding rounds from retail investors. Um, what was that experience like and where did you raise the money? Yes. So... Um, I, it was a really great experience. I, I did start out um, in the more traditional manner looking for VC money. Like I, I designed a line of dugouts and one hitters and then worked backwards and determined I needed 1.2 mil to design them, get the molds made, import them, distribute. And so I did start going after VC money. And now I'm not an accredited investor uh, still to this day. And I didn't know people in my network that were VCs. And that experience was, you know, really one of the hardest things I had to do, learning so much. Um, and also, I was very dedicated to the fact that I wanted a diversely held company. Um, I didn't start Women Grow and, and set it up like, and hire the next gen. I didn't get my master's degree in social work. I didn't work this hard in my life. Uh, to start making concessions for when I'm finally the CEO of company. And so it did take two and a half years. Uh, my cap table is 80% owned by women and people of color. Um, but along the way, I found equity crowdfunding. And it it was been 
I just felt so uh, heard and I felt like I could find my audience and using equity crowdfunding allowed me to be able to send that link to my neighbor and my yoga instructor and my parents um, and people who wanted to invest in me, but really couldn't in the accredited investor K1 style. And so that was wonderful. Uh, in 2018, we uh, was our first round and we got to like 189 and that was really early on. Like there were, you know, not a lot of people knew equity crowdfunding and investing in cannabis. <laughs> and so, um, but you know, we, we did great in that round and it was really great to be able to like show the whole world what our company exactly is doing. One of the things about accessing VC money that was, that always bothered me was the time lost in investors I chose not to take money from. And like, I was just talking to one person. So being able to have this huge platform and also just share with all the audience, even if they don't invest, our vision of the future of cannabis. We had people on like our average time on the page after it launched was like 12 minutes. I mean, people were really reading about what was going on way more than our websites or social. Um, and so, yeah, there's, you know, there's additional reasons why equity crowdfunding was great for me too. Uh, you know, cannabis, this is a whole nother podcast worth, but there's a lot of social media restrictions happening to cannabis and advertising, marketing, banking, merchant services. And so using the platform like Republic, where I hosted the rounds, um, that was really helpful to be able to like actually access that audience and show them what we're making. So we have, uh, we did two more rounds and uh, today we're at 740,000. We have 3,500 investors from 42 countries and every wow. and territory. And that's been a really cool part because I definitely had like direct, I mean, I managed the pages and I managed the rounds. And so I definitely had direct communication with a lot of these individuals. And I was like double checking, is this a country? <laughs> and, <laughs> and like checking in with people. So that's been really awesome. I think that's going to really, we, we're doing, the brand is doing really well right now across Canada. And we had a lot of investors, you know, that were Canadian um, throughout all the rounds. And so I think that really helped like prime the pump. It's hard to tell, but um, there's definitely a brand knowledge out there. We've built a lot of brand equity through equity crowdfunding. Well, first off, kudos to you. You know, I, I think it's a real testament, you know, 80 plus percent of your uh, cap table is is female and, and minority owned, which is wonderful. And I, I think it speaks to the fact that when you change the LP base, right, the people who can fund, how quickly things can change for the better, where, you know, in the venture world, they've spent over a decade and haven't been able to progress anything forward um, on that front. So absolutely love to see it. And congratulations to you on the success to date. Um, that segues really well into kind of the next thing that I wanted to talk about with you here, which is you are really vocal about the cannabis industry and the issues of representation inequality that do pervade it. So what are some of the biggest concerns you have about the cannabis industry today and what can people do to help change things and make them better? Um, I'm really glad that you're asking this question. And um, I think for just for framing my opinions and point of view come from the fact that I live in Colorado, Colorado legalized in 2014, and Amendment 64 allows for close to unlimited licensing. So there's a, there's a Department of Medical Marijuana, and you go there, and you can get a license. And then you can compete in the Colorado market. And the Colorado market has grown every year, year over year. There's a wide diversity of products. There's pretty, pretty much standard pricing, not a lot of huge fluctuations in general. And 
thousands of people have licenses to grow or, and then there's like 500 dispensaries. Okay. So that's where my perspective came from. And as I watched cannabis legalize and my motivation for founding women grow, when I was like, Oh my gosh, there's so much opportunity here. My friend owns a dispensary. My friend owns a lab. My friend's making granola. My friend's making, you know, there you, you women should be entering the cannabis industry right now. Um, and so over the past eight years, though, what I've seen happen in terms of these limited licensing and manipulated markets has just been, I mean, it just takes the breath out of me over and over again when you see that all of the rights to grow this plant are being issued to generationally wealthy people who don't need to worry about the banking issues because they came with deep pockets, who then became I mean, the most of the entities, they became publicly traded Canadian companies with access to all sorts of capital. Um, and to see, like, in, like I said, hundreds of licenses in Colorado, in places like Illinois, there's like 18 groups that run the whole thing. In Virginia, there's like six. And so when people come to me, as they do weekly, like, I want to start a business, how do I get the sector? Like, I, I started telling them to move to the states where you have a better likelihood of being allowed to grow this plant or process this plant or sell a final THC based product in the next two years in these States, than you do in the place you're living. So are you willing to move? It's become one of my first questions. So um, additionally, like we've seen positive public health impacts in States where cannabis is legal. The sky is not falling. Our roads is just, are just as safe in Colorado as they were before. Home prices around dispensaries are rising. Um, opiate deaths are lower. Like there's tons of different public health information now from the states that have been that have legalized that we know that maybe all this regulation isn't quite necessary. And so to see it get tighter and tighter and tighter, and the walls to access starting a cannabis company go up and up and up higher, so high that it would it would be wrong of me to tell someone they can own the cannabis business. And right. Yeah, you know, has been really has just been really disheartening. It's why I'm so vocal about it. Additionally, when the met when we when legalization started occurring, you know, it was really built on medical cannabis. And I stood there in the state houses alongside, you know, student uh, you know, children with seizures and and you know, medical marijuana patients who wanted this product. And that's what got a lot of these dominoes to fall it back in the day. And so now to see that the medical marijuana market is being decimated in most states and those same patients can't even get access to the thousand milligram item they need for their condition. And it's because people are just kicking the door open for rec. And like that, but, and by that, I mean like people are buying cannabis more traditionally, just like ACE and you know, dabs and carts and all the things. But the fact that the, those products and those patients that these groundwork of cannabis legalization in this country are written on aren't able to even buy the product. And if they can, it's like the grand total walking to the store would be like $400 plus all the taxes. That is so disheartening. The growers that grew for those medical marijuana patients that had like a hundred plants, they're being taken out, like written out of the law. Not even like they're happy with their half million a year, you know? And so watching that happen has been, you know, really heartbreaking because there's so many really dedicated, solid advocates and growers and patients and people who really fought every single day for it. And all they're asking for is access to what they want. And now at the end of the, it has to be said that we still are not addressing the war on drugs because 
not only is the medical market decimated and there's not all these brand new products for medical patients, but these small group of companies owns the vast majority of the American cannabis industry. And they are still selling cannabis in eighths and ounces and grams, just the way it was sold 25 years ago. But the men and women and Americans who are sitting behind jail today for selling the exact same product, dried cannabis flower, in the exact same measurements, are still in jail. So the idea that like there can be mergers and acquisitions to the billions of dollars, to the tune of a billion dollars, while someone is still sitting in jail for selling the exact same amount of the exact same product is, you know, something that just should be addressed. And the charge towards commercializing cannabis and, you know, corporatizing cannabis has left all the people that the war on drugs truly affected behind. Mm. Let's talk about that for a second. You know, one of the things that you did hit on, and I know I've heard this from many people who are in this industry, is the challenge of banking. Um, you essentially need to be able to accept cash and manage that process in really complex and crazy ways. Um, so I know that the House of Representatives recently passed the MORE Act, which is supposed to federally decriminalize cannabis. And then obviously that would make banking much easier for cannabis businesses. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think the Senate will pass it? Um, and how will that help, you know, push things forward in a positive direction, if at all? Well, I think that the most important thing that's happening around the Moore Act is that people are talking about cannabis legalization at the federal level. And that's something that, that hasn't been happening for a while as much as we like to see. So, um, there's a lot, there, the MORE Act is splitting the cannabis sector into two groups because they're, what I think, the, my biggest issue with the MORE Act is it tries to do too much. Like we've, we've legalized this nationwide and shown you the positive public health benefits of this. So why does all of this have to be so defined still? Um, because it's those administrative barriers and rules that are being put in place that are keeping people out. Of, of being able to start small businesses and having cannabis truly be a small business revolution in this country. And you're absolutely right with making issues. I think a lot of people don't even understand how bad it is. Like, even after three SEC and FINRA regulated raises, I have banking issues. And all it takes is the right like escrow agent or, you know, auditor to take a look at something. And all of a sudden, your entire week, as a you know CEO is like down this rabbit hole of you know proving that we're not plant touching or doing this or doing that and and so it's very challenging. I have like you know merchant services is you're just starting a business like you merchant services you need merchant services. There's individuals in my network who are ancillary trainers, you know brands, packaging services, lawyers, cannabis lawyers who can't take payment via credit card because they can't get merchant services. And so those are the types of things really hindering the small business revolution that this could be. Um, and so, yeah, it is definitely a problem. Um, it isn't really, doesn't seem to be getting that much better. Um, and what, what I really like most about the MORE Act is that people are talking about it, about how this should happen. The, the legalization is inevitable, but how is this going to go down? Who's going to, who, I mean, it really is science at this point. So, you know, is this going to be accessible? Can anyone get, get into the cannabis sector? Or do you have to like come, you know, rolling with this deep bank account? Um, and we'll see what happens over the next couple of years. Um, because the one thing that people don't, 
really realize about cannabis, especially when I'm on podcasts like this, where people are selling tech and they're selling an idea or they're selling a service that's based on an online app. Like this is a product that people buy and then they go back the next week and they buy more. It's a consumable that is at, that is a plant that grows readily outdoors. You can grow it in indoor. And I mean, a lot of people wish we could be doing more outdoor growing, but the laws don't allow us to. Instead, it's like very eco-unfriendly in the indoors environment, but still it can be grown outdoors. It can be grown indoors. It can be grown all year long in many locations and people will buy it. And so that is pretty amazing. And that part of it actually makes it when you see it as the plant matter it is, as like the cash crop it can be, there's no reason that it shouldn't be part of like an agricultural revolution when we start talking about hemp and CBD and all the other products that can be made. Like that's what we should be getting access to. And so hopefully bringing this up and having a more educated electorate who aren't just like, whoa, yeah, legalize, let's, you know, hit that button and I can't wait to be able to buy a joint. But to really take a look at like, how is this happening? Who is going to benefit and who gets to own businesses in my neighborhood? Um, we just, we need people asking more questions like that. I'm very curious to hear from you while all of this is terrible and needs to be solved to make this all more efficient and actually push forward in a positive way. In some ways, it does create barriers to entry to doing business, and you've been able to overcome a lot of those barriers and are in the space. So let's kind of hone in and talk a little bit about Jane West. And, and despite all of these challenges, the things you've been able to accomplish over the past couple of years here. Yes, definitely. Um, so cannabis legalization is proceeding nationwide. Like the vast majority of Americans have access to some form of legal cannabis. And because I have such a strong company ethos about who we're going to work with and why, it's pretty defined who I'm going to find in each state and who are my people and who are individuals I don't you know, care to do business with and to support those local businesses. So that's helped us really define our market. And we've been able to identify partners in 14 states and support their businesses, bring Jane West branded products uh, to market. Um, I, you know, I don't touch the plant. Uh, we sell packaging, we sell child resistant packaging. I also am now in multiple royalty and licensing based agreements, but we also provide like part of our value proposition is also being part of our network and, and seeing how other underdogs in the market and other, you know, people are able to leverage their audience, their neighborhood, like another part of cannabis that's unique is that you, in general, you have to go to the dispensary to buy it. So everyone that is, that is one of your prospective customers in general is someone that lives within an hour away, or maybe, you know, you have a specific tourist market, but either way, like small businesses are able to absolutely get established and become the dispensary in town. Um, and so we've been helped, we've helped our local businesses be able to do that by directing traffic there, by exclusively licensing with them and supporting them in the sale of their own amazing flower. I'm going to ask you a dual track question here to, to wrap things up. Where would you like to see the cannabis industry in two to three years? And where do you see Jane West within that? Yes. So I hope, I hope that within the next few years in every state, there are hundreds of licenses 
available to individuals to be part of the cannabis sector. Like, unless you get into the numbers of the hundreds, it's market manipulation. And both the patients and the customers and anyone that would have been operating a small business in the space, they suffer. And so we, you need accessibility. Honestly, the way I would go about it is I take every single law as it was written nationwide right now, because it's all pretty limited and just add a zero. Like everyone agreed to it. Everyone agreed this is what we're doing. Let's just, we, we just underestimated quite the demand. Let's just add a zero to the number of licenses we're giving, the number of dispensaries there are, the number of employees will be, and it'll work. Um, so I hope for that. Um, you know, I am very confident about the future of Jane West. We have, I have several high margin everyday accessories that I believe customers will use that I'm really excited about bringing to market. Um, but I kind of had held myself back until we were more established. So now that we have 300 dispensary storefronts across North America that already have one, you know, Jane West product, um, it's the perfect distribution line for these other items that I've been excited to make. Um, uh, some of them are just like my own inventions, which I, which was one of my favorite things about starting this business. And when I first got to design my dad outline, um, that was like when every morning I just woke up so excited to get back in the office and keep figuring out the designs and keep narrowing down the cats and get the samples in. And so I'm really excited to dive into that again now getting out of COVID and having uh, importing and shipping and other issues solved. Um, I'm excited to, to get into there. And additionally, like there's a lot of really great independent product manufacturers out there who also are throwing their hat in the ring when it comes to making great cannabis products. And I've been talking to a lot of them and helping them out. And so that's exciting to see new products that you've never seen before. That's hard for me <laughs> to see something I've never seen before in cannabis. And so that's exciting. And uh, lastly, social use. You know, the vast majority of cannabis consumers, like they, cannabis is a social product. Like we want to be out and consuming, like not shamefully in the back alley, but out just like you're able to drink a beer or a glass of wine and that level of normalcy. And so finally, I feel like in the post-COVID world um, and with so many restaurants and bars and businesses that have shut down and open spaces in all of these areas. Like I, we know that there are cannabis consumers out there that are very drawn to lounges and social settings and to see the first licenses in Colorado and California and Oklahoma has gone huge with it. And uh, the you know public consumption laws in New York, it's really starting to not only like make people feel more comfortable with their consumption, but also show other people that like everyday people use this cannabis is for everyone um and you know that's really why i feel so strongly that like the faces of success in the sector should reflect that it is something that you know everyone can find a way to make part of their life a little better and um and i'm excited to see what starts happening now that social use barriers start to fall and people can just go out and proudly consume well it's certainly an industry where you know because it's emerging kind of out of thin air over the past several years, it would be a real shame and frankly detrimental, I think, to the long-term progress of it uh, if it starts out with inequities and continues to to progress with inequities. So hopefully we can help solve that. And um, I think you're doing a wonderful job of that, obviously, and have been such a champion of the space. Um, it's really, really interesting. Congratulations on all your success. Obviously, 
congrats to all of your investors who have been along for the ride and I think are going to benefit from uh, all the hard work you're putting in. Uh, but thank you so much for your insights and time today. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and to putting a spotlight on you know this sector with your audience. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're happy to. And Jane, last thing here, um, for those who want to get in touch or learn more about Jane West or look for your products, where should they go? Yes, you can go to janewest.com and that's a portal to all of our different sites and products. And additionally, there's an investor page on there where you can enter in your email address and get our investor updates. Uh, that is just a couple emails a year um, that we will send you with our updates, no spam there. Um, but sign up and we'll make sure to send you out news about our next raises. Terrific. Thank you so much, Shane, and have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Inside Startup Investing. Before you go, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a like or a positive review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to like and share our latest episodes. And if you like what you heard and want to learn more about how we can help you manage your startup investing search, diligence, and management at Kingscrowd, check us out at kingscrowd.com. Thanks, and until next time, happy investing.